You know, it's a good thing I'm talking about timing today. <laughs> really, I'm talking about timing today. It's all about timing, right? How many red lights there are? How many uh, sheriff's uh, officers? No, I just <laughs> there are between here and I stand, you know, all that kind of stuff. But I do want to ask you, have you ever thought about uh, God's timing in your life and how that works out sometimes, right? A couple months ago, I was heading over to the St. Croix River with my daughter to meet our other daughter who was going to meet us at the boat launch just north of Stillwater. And we are about five, six miles past North Branch, heading east on 95, when I heard a big boom and realized my back tire on my boat trailer blew out. And we rolled along and I pulled just into this side street, gravel street. And so I'm like, hey, no big deal. I'm prepared. I have a spare for the boat, right? Not everybody carries a spare. And so I got the jack out of the Suburban and went to jack up the boat trailer and realized it doesn't work. The application on the boat trailer doesn't work because it's too short. It doesn't get the trailer up high enough to get the tire off and to put the new tire on. And I'm like, you got to be kidding me, really? And so I'm stacking life jackets up and putting the jack on that and thinking, okay. And all it does is obviously just scush the jackets to nothing, right? And I'm like, oh, I can't figure it out. Nothing works. And so I just unhook the trailer because I'm going to like, okay, I got to blow back home, get a jack, come back, just leave the boat on the street, and that, and called my daughter. She's already at the boat launch in Stillwater waiting. And just when I undo the trailer, a couple drives up and rolls down their window and says, hey, we heard from our house down the road this big boom. And after a while, we thought, you know, we should probably check that out. And so we drove down here, and they're like, do you need help? And I'm like, here's the situation. And the guy's like, well, hey, I got hydraulic jack. I'll just run home, grab it. He ran home, grabbed it. We put it under there, boom, boom, boom. Changed the tire within like five minutes, and we were like on our way. And on our way to St. Croix then, to the river, I was talking to my 15-year-old daughter about God's timing and just saying, how cool is that? That God worked it out that we had land at this road, that they would hear us, that they'd be outside, and that they'd be come down and have the kindness to help us out. Three weeks ago, we took the boat up to Big Sandy Lake, and I'm like, all right, I'm going to be prepared. I took the two-ton jack, I threw it in the back of the Suburban, you know, I had the four-way lug wrench, you know, the spare, I'm like, all right, I had plenty of wood to jack things up if it didn't work, I mean, I was like, I'm ready, I'm like, I just hope it blows, you know, I was, you know, I'm just ready, <laughs> not really, but, but I'm just ready, right, and that, so we go up, enjoy Big Sandy and that, and we drive home, no flat, no issue, but we're about 15 miles north of Moron, 65, and we blow by this truck that was alongside the road with a boat trailer. And we drive by, and I look at my wife, she looks at me, which we typically do when we drive by people, and we're like, should we stop? 
and that which we always agree, yes, we should stop. So we go, I do a U-turn, and I pull up across the street from this guy, and I'm like, roll down the window, hey, do you need a spare? Because I'm thinking, oh, the guy doesn't have a spare, because sometimes, a lot of times, people don't have spares with boats. I'm like, do you need a spare? And he's like, no, I got a spare, but, you know, my, my jack from my truck won't get my trailer up high enough, and I, you know, I can't figure it out. And I'm like, dude, I got you covered. You know, and I whip back, I open my Suburban up, I pull out this two-ton, you know, uh, jack, and I'm like, and I got my wrench thing, you know, five, you know, and his wife is standing next to me. She's like, who are you? I mean, I mean, there's nobody around. They're out, you know, it's almost dark and that, and we pull up, and I'm like NASCAR, you know, you know, that, and she's like, who are you? And, and she's like, you must have been sent from God. And I stood up, and I said, I was. I was. Because of God's timing. You know, you just think of God's timing in our lives when it comes to events. And that, and you have to consider that. Hey, I didn't need it, but they needed it. When I was east of North Branch, hey, that couple, they could have sat there, but they came. God's timing in everything. And it makes me think of God's timing overall. And when we look at this series called Manufacturing, we're looking at the whole idea of building the temple in the Old Testament during the 10th century. And we look at how do we continue to run New Hope Community Church. And we consider God's timing. You see, we started this series and we talked about in order for the temple to be built and takes a CEO, that's God. He's the CEO of all things, right? But then it takes a crowd. He called upon Solomon to build the temple. Obviously, Solomon, one man, couldn't build the temple alone. So he draws a crowd to build it. And so there are literally just 70,000 men who are just carriers of stone. That's all they do is just carry stone. 70,000. There's 3,300 foremen to build the temple. So there's this incredible crowd to build it. Last week, Pastor Justin talked about it takes a craftsman, that God has specifically given us gifts to be utilized for his kingdom purposes. And in 1 Kings 5, 6 through 8, it talks about how he specifically gave gifts to craftsmen in wood and stone and in steel and copper and that to build the temple and how he gives us specific gifts to be utilized in his kingdom purpose. But it also takes a calendar when it comes to building his temple or his kingdom purposes. It takes the right time or time overall just to make something happen. But I know that at times in my life, though, I wrestle with God's timing. Because if we just start off and we look at God's calendar when it comes to the temple, we turn to 1 Kings chapter 6, verse 1, and it says this, in the 480th year after the Israelites came out of Egypt, in the fourth year of Solomon's reign over Israel, in the month of Ziv, the second month, he began to build the temple of the Lord. And so I'm thinking, man, it was 480 years after he brought the Israelites out of slavery, out of Egypt, that he builds this temple. Why that time? Now, we do know that 
when the Israelites came out of Egypt, out of slavery, he brought them to the promised land, and he said, go in and take over the promised land. But the Israelites didn't obey. They didn't believe that they could overtake the enemies in the promised land, and they didn't believe God had given it to them. And because of that, God said that everyone 21 and older then will never see the promised land. And so there was this waiting period for them to die off. And so that was obviously part of this 480 years, but why was it that God's timing was 480 years? We read at the end of 1 Kings 6 about the temple being built. The foundation of the temple of the Lord was laid in the fourth year, in the month of Ziv, in the 11th year, in the month of Baal. The eighth month, the temple was finished in all its details according to its specifications. He had spent seven years building it. Seven years building this temple. I mean, why was the timing seven years? Even though we know that seven is sort of a biblical number that shows up often, why seven years? I mean, if you look at the temple, here's a picture of it, and the temple courts, it's roughly the size of two-thirds of football field. Two-thirds of football field. And you think, man, seven years to build that. But obviously, technology back then, everything by hand. If you compare it today to the MOA, the Mall of America, which took three years to build, the Mall of America is 78 football fields. 78. The temple was two-thirds of football field. Took seven years, 78 football fields, three years. And so in my mind at times, I, I wrestle with, you know, 480 years, seven years. God's timing of why he does what he does when. I mean, if we look in the book of Isaiah, Isaiah was a prophet. He foretold what was to come. Isaiah 7, 14, he says this, therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. We see the fulfillment of this prophecy in the new part of the Bible, the New Testament, in Matthew Chapter 1, verse 21 through 23. Now all this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord to the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall be with a child and shall bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. I mean, the time that Isaiah spoke the prophecy about Jesus being born to the time that he now is going to be born is 700 years. 700 years! And in my mind, I'm thinking, why? Why so long, God? I mean, I, why so long? Because overall in our lives, we wrestle with understanding God's timing. We wrestle with it. When he shows up, we're excited about it, but often we wrestle with his timing. We want God's time to be our time, right? I mean, I want God's timing to be always my timing, right? And honestly, I want your time to be my time as well, right? We want everybody else's time to be our time because it's about us. And we wrestle with this idea of his timing. But yet in Galatians 4, 4 in the Bible, it says this, but when the set time had fully come, God sent his son born of a woman. So God's up to something. When the set time came, 
He was born of a woman. In Romans 5, 6, you see at just the right time, it says. When we are still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Boy, at just the right time. And so we see that God is up to something in his kingdom work. And if he's up to something in his kingdom work, we need to recognize as well that he is up to something when it comes to our life, specifically, and his timing. You know, David wrestled with God's timing often in the Psalms as we read them. In Psalm 13, 1 and 2, it says, How long, Lord, will you forgive me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? You know, we get this picture that he's not happy with God's timing. He's wrestling with God's timing, with unanswered prayer here. He's saying, hey, how long? How long? Over and over and over again. And I think David is speaking our language. He's speaking our emotion. Because there's oftentimes in my life where I'm not happy with God's timing or I'm wrestling with his timing or I'm like waiting and waiting and waiting with his timing. There has been a prayer I've been praying uh, for the last six, eight months and I prayed that it would come to fruition specifically in July on a specific date. And that date has come and gone and has yet to be answered. And I'm wrestling with God's timing. So I'm being gracious with God. And so I gave him a fall date. <laughs> for my and just saying, okay, let's shoot for this one, right? And I'm just being honest. This, this wrestling, this timing piece and that, and this trust of God's timing in his big kingdom history is perfect, in Isaiah 55, 8, 9, it says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are my ways your ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are as high as the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. You know, there's a gap here, Bill, between how you see things and your timing and my timing. God states. But I wrestle, I, I wonder on the mystery of like 480 years. I mean, seven, I mean, why? Why 700 years between the prophecy of Jesus and his birth? And if you are a creationist or if you're, you know, you view like young earth or whatever, we could even say, you know, why was it that it was 4,000 years from Adam and Adam's fall to the birth of the Messiah, Jesus? 4,000 years! Why? Why that long until a Messiah would come to pay for our sins on the cross and bring us back into relationship with you, God? Why that long? And so we wrestle with his timing. But as I've looked in Scripture, I've realized that there are times when God seems to be maybe more timely or more in a hurry than I think he should be. And it has to do with God's concern, not so much his calendar. It's more with God's concern. 
In Matthew 9, 37, it says, then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Therefore, beseech the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into the harvest field. You see, Jesus was just going through the towns and villages, healing people, talking about salvation in him. And he sees that people are like sheep without a shepherd. They're struggling in life. And so he says to the disciples, beseech the Lord of the harvest to send out more laborers, more people to let people know that God desires to have a relationship with them. That word beseech literally means urgently or fervently. And so we see that you know, God's timing when it comes to labors, when it comes to people serving, utilizing their gifts in, a, in order to draw others into relationship with him, the timing is always like now. It's, it's like now. The fields are ripe for harvest. And we know that. I mean, we're in the, towards the fall season. When we leave here, we're going to be driving down back roads or long highways where we see the corn is like getting ripe for harvest or the beans, are getting ripe for harvest. And we get this picture, and Jesus is saying that, hey, the timing of that is always, is always. It's always available. It's always present. We see God in a hurry when it comes to people who turn back towards him, his desire to bring them and embrace them back into a relationship with him in the story of the prodigal son in 15, Luke 15, 20. It says about the son who left his father, who wasted his inheritance and was poor, feeding the pigs, and realizing, you know what? If I just go home, my father's servants have plenty, and maybe my father will accept me. And it says, so he got up and went to his father, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and he kissed him. You know, we get this picture of God is always ready and waiting to run and to embrace us as we turn back to him and as we repent of whatever pulled us away from him. And he's always waiting. His timing is always ready for us to turn unto him. And I believe in his timing as well. He knows our situation you see, his timing to answer our prayer may not be what we desire it to be, but his timing for always being in our presence, for never leaving us nor forsaking us in what we are walking through, is always there. He is always present. Psalm 34, 18 says, The Lord is near the brokenhearted, and he saves the crushed in spirit. He knows our situation, but in his kingdom plan, his timing is perfect for when he answers or when he brings change in that situation. And I've learned to embrace Psalm 31, verses 14 and the first part of 15, which I love. It says this, But I trust in you, Lord. I say, you are my God. My times are in your hands. My times are in your hands. Thus, the prayer that wasn't answered in July on the specific date, hey, I've moved it out, but I've set another date because I trust my times, Lord, are in your hands and those that I'm praying for. And to recognize that when it comes to God's timing, 
and his concern, that his timing is always ready for those who are seeking him, those who are turning back to him, and that the fields are white for harvest. And that's why we are in Cambridge. That's why we're in Isani. And that's why this morning we have a group up in Bram utilizing their gifts and getting ready up there to open up September 8th. And so I want to share with you a video life story of a couple from our Isani campus who, in a time of desperation, found God and talked about his timing in their lives. And it's a reminder to each one of us that God is at work, that God's timing is perfect. And for us to hold on to Psalm 31, that our times are in his hands. And so let's watch this story. My life prior to a relationship with Jesus was self-centered, hopeless. I would use alcohol a lot. My life before finding Jesus was full of looking for hope in all the wrong places. I came to New Hope by my husband. We had reached the peak of our desperation in my personal health situation and with our relationship. And in a moment of his desperation, he found new hope. And that single encounter changed the course of our lives forever. I was called to new hope, rather, after a fight with my wife. Um, I went out uh, in search of any kind of help for my alcoholism and uh, got a pamphlet out out of the lobby here, didn't talk to anybody and kind of felt awkward about it. Um, got back in the car and I started driving back home to Isani. I spoke with Denise, um, who introduced me to Sue, who runs the Hope Recovery Group, and I accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior on Easter Sunday. My relationship with Jesus has changed my life in that I no longer fight my daily battles on my own. The little battles and the big battles, I have an entire army behind me now. And before, I was doing all of the battling on my own, and every time I failed, I failed by myself. And I no longer have to do that. My relationship with Jesus has changed in a huge way. Uh, It's given me the confidence that I've wanted when anytime I would talk to God, it would be mainly just cursing Him and blaming Him for my issues. Um, So now that I have Him in my life and I I have Him to be able to rely on, um, my life feels a lot happier. New Hope provides a bunch of opportunities to serve out the mission of becoming more like Jesus and less like ourselves. And that mission just, it speaks so true to my heart that we don't have to be done, we don't have to be there, we don't have to be like Jesus. We just all collectively are working towards that goal. And it just spoke to my heart and it seemed like a mission that I could achieve. You know, how cool is that? Right? And what's so interesting is is that I had never met Zach or Helena before ever. (laughs) At all. But God did. He knew what was going on. His timing was right for them to come into a relationship with him, have their lives 
transformed, their marriage transformed. And so when it comes to his timing overall for us, for his church, we can trust in him. When it comes to you utilizing your gifts, that's why we have the I'm in cards on the chairs. This video is a reminder that your labor is not in vain. First Corinthians 15, 58, Paul says, Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. We see that as we use our gifts in serving others, God uses it to transform lives. And so maybe you're sitting here this morning and maybe your story is maybe similar to Zach or Helena. Or maybe you have just not yet acknowledged Jesus as your Savior and Lord. You're still trying to do it on your own. Well, I'd like to give you the opportunity to accept Jesus as your Savior. Allow him to come in and transform your being, who you are, and your situations in his time because we see that he's been doing it in their lives and so if you just bow your heads with me and if you just repeat this prayer after me Father God I realize that I can't do it on my own I've tried keeps ending up broken and so Jesus I accept you as my Savior and Lord. I accept what you've done on the cross for me. For dying for my sin, paying for my wrong, so that I could be brought into a relationship with my Heavenly Father. So I acknowledge you as my Savior and Lord today. And I invite you to come in and to transform my life in your timing. Thank you. In your name, amen.